This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You're listening to Spits and Suds. He's Sean Shapiro. I'm Gavin Spittle on 105.3 The Fan. Two instances happened last night, and I haven't really asked you about this. So early in the game, Rope Hance caught a stick, cut him open, no call. Uh, sorry, my bad. Radic Foxa. Did I say Rope Hance? Radic Foxa yeah. caught yeah. a stick. And went to the bench, and a very vocal Radic Foxa when he was on the bench, followed by a very vocal uh, Pete DeBoer. And the replay clearly showed that it was a stick that came up. Later in the game, Jamie Ben draws a high stick, but Puck was, uh, Puck was made contact. So my question is, is do you feel as though high-sticking along with delay of game, which we've seen, should join offsides as far as reviewable plays. I, I personally think, uh, and, and I've talked about my, my view of replay before, I think replay is good, but I think it needs to be a little bit more nuanced. I think there needs to be a time limit on if you can't make the decision, if the league office can't make a definitive decision within a minute or whatever of the of viewing the video, then it should just go as is. That's kind of always been my view on it. I don't mind adding high sticking to this. I don't mind. I mean, high sticking, one of the weird things about high sticking is um, you can review something for, you can review something to turn a minor into a major. You can't really review something that turns a nothing in that turns nothing into a minor and i think that's where we start to get into this tricky territory because where where's what's the line on throwing challenges on judgment calls because i i kind of get a little bit worried about what it opens up i i really like your your idea in theory but we we, we have to storyboard and we have to figure out where the line is because i don't want this to open up the space where someone's like well there was a trip or a cross check on this play. I don't. I don't want to get into a spot where people start throwing challenge flags uh, on a goal in a close game because they're like, okay, well, we might as well. So I like your idea in theory. I just think there needs to be. We need the rules have to be written in a certain way where it's only. It, it's got to be. It's like maybe maybe that's a job we give to the concussion spotter. Honestly, Gavin, I don't yeah. know. If we have the concussion spotter whose job is to protect player health and watch their heads. Maybe that's the job we give to the concussion spotter. Maybe that's the, a job where it becomes okay. Hey, there's a high stick. You can, but it's got to come from the outside. Like right, like someone who's not. I, I think that's just. I, I like the the idea in theory. I like the idea of getting it right. I just want to make sure we don't 
go too far down the path of people throwing challenge flags. Um, and and because this is something where you bring this idea and it's great to talk about from a player safety perspective, but like anything, eventually it gets start to get morphed into a uh, schematic strategy thing. And I don't want it to become that. Or do you give the linesman more power? I, mean, I think that's fair. That's one way to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think that's possible. I, I think there's a couple ways to look at it, but I think you have this, I, I think this is an idea that's worth exploring more than some other ideas that people bring up sometimes yeah 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 because i mean I've, I've always wanted to ask you i mean I, I, your knowledge is so vast as far as it and i i'm just asking the questions i haven't looked into this has the nhl ever thought about expanding linesman duties i mean i mean we see it in the NA, we see it in the nfl with you know how many referees are there i just find it interesting that the linesmen are limited in their calls Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's a good question. And I should just, I'll probably have to ask about that. Okay. Just to be honest, that's something. Yeah. To, it's, it so. Just popped in the top of my head. So, so, yeah. all right. So, you know, lose one in San Jose, tough loss up by three. I told Craig yesterday, um, one of the reasons that I didn't panic after that game, Sean, is because I think the statistics tell us after three meetings that San Jose is just a bad matchup for the stars. And that happens in hockey. You look at now, I remember we talked about this game. The stars came off a successful road trip. San Jose was next and they got beat on home ice. Then they play the new year's game and it was a one goal game um, until late in the third period. And I thought San Jose played really well in that game. And then the stars just exploded and then we see what happened in San Jose. The good news is San Jose is no longer on the schedule. But am I fair in that assessment that sometimes it's just a bad matchup? And this year could be the case with San Jose. And by the way, my love of Eric Carlson has gone up. I mean, you're right about the Miro trade. It wouldn't have been a good trade. But, man, when he's healthy, he's just a fun guy to watch. Yeah. Um, I don't know as much as bad matchup or it's just kind of it's just kind of a funny small sample size of how mm -hmm. it happened honestly i just i just think it's something where i wouldn't read too much i wouldn't read too much into it um it's the the game blowing the lead the other night and everything that to me isn't exactly the same as the other game and to me that's not dependent on how the opponent was so i i think san jose was a good if San Jose was a good team and a team that you actually may have to see again later this season, maybe we break it down a little bit more, but just because the nature of where they are in the standings and, and everything like that, I would just, I would kind of just say, okay, let's flush the move on. So, so okay. we'll with the Sharks just because like that, that's kind of honestly how I look at it because that team is going to be completely different next year. It's in the middle of a effectively a rebuild and all of that stuff. And I, I'm just, it's kind of hard to put too much into worrying about the Sharks right now. 
And I take so much more out of what the Stars did in the second game of a back-to-back against a good Kings team. That, to me, tells me more about the Stars team than what than blowing a lead in San Jose does. Okay. And next up, the Arizona Coyotes, who have been playing better since um, their slow start to start the year. Um, the last few games, lost to the Jets by a goal, beat the Red Wings at home, and uh, then last night got shut out by the Caps in Arizona. So they come to Dallas. Uh, tomorrow night. What pieces do you see on this Arizona team that you could see moving at the deadline? Hmm. Let's. Oh, I mean, Chikrin's going to be the talk. Yeah, usually. that's always going to be the the first one's always going to be there. I'm pulling up as we're doing this for full disclosure, people. I'm pulling up the Coyotes cap friendly page, so I have the full reference in front of me. I mean, because if I'm the Coyotes. It's a spot where I start looking at, like, you look at the the picks that they've um, that they've built up. They're just going to continue shopping for that. The Coyotes already have for next year. Well, this year they only have this year they only have seven picks, but they have an additional third rounder. Twenty twenty four draft. The Coyotes have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They have eight picks in the first three rounds in twenty twenty four already. And in 2025, the Coyotes, Coyotes already have five picks, six picks in the first three rounds. So the Coyotes are clearly building up for to just kind of throw throw every single pick at the wall over the next couple of years and see what fits as they as they uh, continue to move forward. So looking at that, kind of seeing their plan, this feels like a little bit of a unless the Coyotes win the draft lottery. Like I think there's one thing that changes for the Coyotes and. It won't impact this in season moves, but if the Coyotes win the draft lottery and they win the chance to draft Connor Bedard, I think it changes everything. I think whoever wins the number one pick and gets to draft Bedard will will change their their tune no matter what. Um, but this season, in season, you look at a player like it's hard to see anything that's that's not nailed down won't be on the table. Um, Nick Ritchie to me is a guy who's a UFA making 2.5 million. He's 27. He's the type of guy who I could see getting moved in season for another pick because a team will say, Hey, we'd like to add a depth winger who's had some pop before. Um, you go through, you look at Nick Bugstad, even like very low cap head. He's 30 years old. Teams want to add that veteran guy who in, in a cap tight league, and he's making less than a million. He's a UFA flip him for a fifth round pick um you look at even i mean the ones that just i don't i don't see them finding the right deal for those bigger names the clayton kellers the nick schpaltz the lawson cruises but even those guys are at a spot where unless the coyotes win the draft lottery they're already at a spot where their contract they're, they're kind of in a spot where they could be they might not be around for the time this team hits hits the turn. So I I think all of these all of these kind of pieces for the Coyotes are on are on are on the table. Um Chitrin is going to be the big one who I think is, is probably the biggest name that gets moved. Um but it's 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 the I I would love someone to someone maybe I should do it too. We should take a screen grab of the Coyotes roster on like February 1st and then see what it looks like on March 1st. Cause yeah. I would imagine, 
I would imagine we should also take a screen grab of the Tucson Roadrunners uh, roster on on <laughs> February first and March first and see and, and and play that game of uh, it's like that uh that uh office meme when yeah. corporate needs you to find the difference between these two pictures like yeah no you're you're absolutely right <laughs> that's funny all right two quickies before I let you go um, Montreal uh, Mr Hughes the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens uh, habitants. Uh, came out and said that Cole Caulfield will be a part of their future. I would think so. Um, yes. So looking at the contracts, uh, because Cole Caulfield is a restricted free agent after this year, his entry-level deal is up, Nick Suzuki just makes under $8 million a year for them at 7.8. This is one of the emerging superstars in our league in Caulfield. Could we see a restricted free agent? Two part question, Sean. Could we see a restricted free agent go around nine or ten million, or are we going to settle at the eight to eight point five with him? And then the other question is: Is will we see something that never happens? A team make a run at a restricted free agent? Because I just think that would make the league so much better if that happened. I love silly well, seasons it- like that. Well, it is the Montreal Canadiens and the Canadiens and the Carolina Hurricanes have yes. been their tit for tit for tat offer sheet stuff in the past. So, if uh, if there was an offer sheet involved with the Montreal Canadiens and it can't, I it would not like honestly. I don't think Carolina has the cap space to actually do this one this time. But you know knowing Tom Dundon and knowing how he feels about things, it wouldn't surprise me if there's part of him that wants to throw an offer sheet at Cole Caulfield already. Uh, I I think you look at Montreal and you look at the long-term build and you look at the plan you have, and they're using a ton of long-term IR right now too. They got almost $20 million in LTIR right now between Sean Monahan and Paul Byron and Carey Price. And at least, uh, and so at least you have uh, Byron and Monahan come off the books after this year. So you get a lot of space that opens up. Um, I would personally, I look at kind of paying players now and, and primes and everything like that. If you can get Caulfield um, on a Jason Robertson type deal, like I wonder if Caulfield looks at kind of the Robertson deal and sees if that's kind of his model, the four years I'm kind of betting on myself and I'm still getting that big R that big RFA qualifying offer at the end or something longer. I, I would bet from the player perspective, the Robertson deal plus maybe a li- the Robertson deal may actually end up being the best comp of approach. I'm not saying they should make the same amount of money, but I think the best comp of approach for Caulfield might be the best case scenario to go with that, get a pretty good chunk of change for the next four years and then have an RFA deal you're built in at the end where the team's got to pay you X amount and you have to, uh, and then you can capitalize on the cap having gone up. So I, I think we're going to see a good amount of money go to Cole Caulfield's way. I think the question is just going to be, does he want to kind of play the the financial money game to get more two to three years from now? Or does he want to book it long-term with Montreal now? And um, that's going to be the interesting thing. I don't, I don't think we see the offer sheet play out in this situation just because of how cap strapped a lot of teams are. Um, I I do hope, speaking of 
offer sheets. I hope the following, I hope the year the cap goes up, we go crazy with offer sheets. Like it would just be so fun if like, it's like, okay, everyone's cap space opened up and now all of a sudden RFA season just goes crazy. I, I, that would be, that would be fun. But I don't, I don't think this summer's the summer for that. 